Hello, and welcome to Her Moment in History, the podcast. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Grace, and, and this week the theme was magic. Yes. Because we left it really broad because we're really struggling <laughs> to come up with themes. We're not meant to tell them, though. Oh, sorry, no, no. Actually, we've got loads of past themes. We've got, like, a list. Yeah, we're really put together. We know what we're um, doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so you're first this week. Yes. Yes. And you figured out who I did, who I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, kind of by accident. So I did my research very, very late. Um, and so you <laughs> told me, you said, fine, it's okay, but just don't do somebody who was born within these very, very specific years. Mm-hmm. And I found someone who was born within those very, very specific years. <laughs> and it happened to be that person. Yeah. It, so it's... Um, so... Marie Laveau. I think that's how you say it. It's French. Mm-hmm. So she was... Well, they know she was born on the 10th of September. But the year they're not quite sure about. So... That's why you were unspecific with yes. the date. <laughs> dates. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, some say 1801 and some say 1794. So, there's, you know, a seven-year difference, but... Yeah. Yeah. One of them. She was born then. And she was a voodoo queen in New Orleans. Sort of magic. It fits. (laughs) Oh, it's definitely magic, yeah. So, like, most stuff that we know about it has kind of been passed down through, like, oral traditions... Which is like voodoo stuff, kind of does that. Um, and she was voodoo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But apparently, it was all very dramatic. Anyway, like she was a very larger than life personality, so a lot of the stuff is very dramatic. So it's quite hard for people to like bring it back to like what actually happened and watch actually like the myth of the person. So it's. I think that's why there's so much conflicting, like, information about her. So, she was born free in, like, as in, because she was black, so she was born free in the the French court of New Orleans. She... Mm -hmm. I forget that, like, you, that they were, that when black people were born at that time, they had to be born under the title of free. I know. I don't know. It's bizarre. It's like, you... You would never have, like, a white person who was born like that. Yeah, they were born free. So what do you mean they were born free? They just weren't in prison. It's like, what, what, no, they, it's... I know, it's crazy. Yeah. But she was the illegitimate daughter of a wealthy Creole plantation owner called Charles Laveau. And her mother was mm-hmm. his mistress, who was Marguerite. Um, and there's a bit conflicting information of her, like, heritage... Because some say that she's black and Choctaw Indian, but then there's others that say that she was a free woman of colour who was Native Native American, African and French descent. So they're kind of okay. different, but somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So she's maybe a mix of all these, mm-hmm. which I thought was fun. Mm-hmm. So she grew up on a, a father's plantation where she was educated and she studied to be a hairdresser. Okay. Yep. Um, She was a devout Catholic her whole life. It says that she went to Mass every day, but do they do Mass every day? I don't think they do. I thought Mass was only on a Sunday, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's just dramatic. But she did... She she brought, like, Catholicism into voodoo a little bit, so it comes back. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You look like you had an idea then. <laughs> so the other day, for some reason, my sister, I can't remember what she was doing, but she asked me what voodoo was. Mm-hmm. For some reason. And I was like, I don't specifically know, but I know that it's like rooted here, and I know like the culture that surrounds it, but I also didn't know what the difference between that and something else was, mm-hmm. which I'm going to embarrass myself if I try to pronounce. So I did some research into voodoo, and it, it yeah, that I was like, oh, interesting how it links to... Anyway. <laughs> I mean, you might know more than me, so feel free to. I don't, I, I think I was quite drunk at the time. Of course you were. <laughs> yeah, which is how my drunkenness usually goes, is that I usually end up researching something that's very strange. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, 
1819, she married Jacques Paris. It's like the French way of Jacques. Jacques. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jacques. <laughs> who was a free person of colour from Haiti. So he was part of the large Haitian, Haitian immigration to New Orleans in the 1809 because mm-hmm. there was a big revolution in haiti that started from 1804 and so a lot of people just fled and came to america so not a good revolution i don't think so if they fled oh yeah oh but the the immigrants Mm. consisted of french-speaking white planters and thousands of slaves as well as free people of color as well cool nice Mm. me i'd say loosely but then um her, her husband went missing in 1824 so five years after they were married he was presumed dead and she told everyone that he was dead so i don't know if there's something a bit dodgy about that yeah aren't but i don't know when someone goes missing isn't the loved one usually like no they're still alive and they hold on to the hope there was there is some slight evidence that he deserted her so maybe it was like a pride thing that he just died actually then that makes sense but because the tradition at the time was um you call yourself widow and then the last name of the person so she was widow paris which i i don't know i don't know can't you just keep your own name i know well she she kind of took it back somewhere yeah um but she was left with two children to raise on her own so uh, she started working as a hairdresser uh, to wealthy white and creole women of New Orleans mm-hmm. and this is considered like where the start of her legend sort of started from hairdressing yes because I, from hairdressing she got a lot of information from her clients from like all <gasps> over oh. and it's thought like scholars think that she wasn't actually a, a witch she just used her knowledge of everything from hairdressing and use that to like predict the future and like say this is going to happen and this is happening and all stuff like that. Brilliant. Yeah, it's very smart. And so she heard all of this and she did some like random nursing in this time. It says she did minor surgeries, but it doesn't specify what the minor surgeries were. What? That's a... Like, on on people? Yeah. Okay. I know. That shouldn't be... I don't know. That feels like something that you'd be like trained to do yeah you shouldn't just kind of you know fall into just be like i guess this is something i could try my hand at mm. and she also it says that she was ministering to prisoners on death row and i don't know if that means she was ministering as a nurse or she was being like a minister and like giving them I the see, right yeah I to to death i don't know i assumed it was the second I did, but the first time I read it, I thought it was nursing, so... Fair. Yeah. Um, and she used to take in the sick to her own home, where she'd nurse them better. Liar. Yeah. And then in 1826, she entered a common-law marriage, which I did look up, but I still don't really know what it is. I think it's basically a marriage, but it's not legally a marriage. It's just, like, you're doing everything the same as a marriage kind of thing but you're not legally married okay like a civil partnership kind of okay and he was called louis christophe dumsnil de clapion fantastic name. i know he was a member of a prominent local family mm-hmm. and um, she lived with him until his death in 1855 he's not that important really i just wanted oh. to say his name okay cool <laughs> understandably but they did have 15 children together which is ridiculous Fifteen. Yes, in, in the space of 30 years? Yes. Yeah. And she already had two from her other marriage as well. See, this is where all the, the research gets weird because it's saying, it says that only two survived, but then of the only two that survived, they were both called Marie. Right. <laughs> and then, because one of them took over from her mother once she died, but they don't know which one. Were all of her daughters called Marie and all of her sons named after her husband? I don't, I don't think so. There was literally just two of them that were named Marie and they were the two that happened to survive, I think. 
did she forget she'd already used the name? <laughs> she's like, we'll call it on Marie. They're like, you called your other daughter. And she's like, no, no, I didn't. It's fine. She's like, it's a good name. Just keep it going. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> she should be Marie the third. Oh my God. No, but she, she had to stop hairdressing to raise her brood of children. There were so many of them. Could they not raise one another? I know. You'd think so. But she didn't really lose a clientele. So I think she sort of kept in touch with people. Even if she wasn't hairdressing. Okay. But this is sort of where the voodoo stuff starts. So she started look, like looking into her mother's African traditional beliefs. Which is sort mm-hmm. of where the, I think voodoo comes from. I'm not fully sure. But, yeah, um, it is. But it did have a, a sinister repu- reputation at the time. It was banned in Louisiana history for a while. On and off. Um, mm-hmm. And she learned her craft from a Dr. John Bayo, and then by 19- 1830, she was one of several voodoo queens in New Orleans. That rhymes. Nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she did combine like the voodoo beliefs and the Catholic traditions. So like the holy mm-hmm. water, incense, statues of saints, and Christian prayers were all like brought in. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling voodoo was already kind of inc- incorporated a lot of like the beliefs of kind of the European kind of religion. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm not 100% sure. I'm probably getting this completely wrong, but when it got taken to, like, the, the Caribbean and, like, mm. South America kind of area, already it was kind of taking on parts of... Well, yeah. I mean, all the sources, they just... I think they made stuff mm. up, so you never know. This could be all wrong. <laughs> okay. So she, she believed in, like, sp- spiritual forces, which is maybe voodoo, too. I don't know enough about voodoo, but oh well. Um, <laughs> and she, like, a connection with the spirits was achieved through dance, music, singing, and the use of snakes. Oh, I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm on board. Yeah. So she quickly came to, like, dominate the whole scene of voodoo in New Orleans and mm-hmm. she, so she just started taking charge of like the public ceremonies, and and she there was a place where it was it was built for secret voodoo meetings called Maison Blanche, which the White House. Nice, but you know, but mm-hmm. you could any like anyone could go in, so it was fine. So not like the White House. No. Um. So she made a good income selling uh, gris gris. Which is an amulet um, originating from Africa, which is believed to protect its wearer from evil or bring it good luck. Okay. And she also, like, sold charms and magical powders, which would cure ailments and grant desires and destroy one's enemies. (laughs) Um, And she told fortunes as well. But this is where Mm -hmm. the scholars believed that her knowledge from this who just came from working as a hairdresser with the other people mm-hmm. and it's also believed that she hired a lot of servants or paid them cured them of mysterious ailments and that's how she got like the information as well but they're not quite sure about that that sounds very ambiguous but okay <laughs> so she her powers like this was talked about a lot so it spread around new orleans and then she sort of became an oracle and came, like, above all the other voodoo queens. Mm-hmm. Um, and she conducted, like, private rituals in a cottage and exorcisms and sacrifices. And, uh, like, one newspaper called her a notorious hag who reigns over the ignorant and superstitious as the voodoo of the... as the queen of the voodoos. That sounds... Uh, as a... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But then people were also scared of her because there was loads of stories that, like, what happened to you if you offended her? Ooh, okay. But there wasn't any examples of these, so I was really disappointed. Oh. Aww. <laughs> but then, like, she was considered, like, quite a dangerous person, but then she did a lot of good things as well, so she, like, healed the sick, and she so, so was kind of seen as a living saint. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, everyone sort of came to her about like rich poor black white anyone um to oh. for all the things but like i i don't know how it fits but i just read an article the other day about how 
which is like throughout history mo like not mostly but some they kind of do like things that are very feminist now so like if you want because like witches were like seen like they could give you an abortion yeah. and like things that you couldn't have control of your own body mm. which is a, a lot of the time why they were considered witches like if we complete I, I mean it depends if you believe in witches yeah, or not true. but the idea that there was a woman in your town which could perform an, ab an abortion that alone would have labelled her yeah. as that yeah yeah anyway <laughs> sorry <laughs> so in 1875 she was said to retire but she didn't really retire she okay. didn't really retire she just kind of stopped working as much I think and then she she died on June 15th, 1881. Um, she died peacefully in her sleep at her cottage, um, St. Anne's Cottage, where she lives. That's quite nice. Mm -hmm. That's just. And then there's a Wait. lot of stuff about her legacy. Mm -hmm. um, so, eminent writer, who I've never heard of, Lafcadio Hearn, referred to her as one of the kindest women who, have, who ever lived. But oh. then, weirdly, so all the newspapers who were, like, very harsh about her previously, then when she died, said that she was a saint and who nursed the sick and prayed constantly with the condemned and the diseased. What? So this is where, like, there's so much conflicting, like, information about this. <laughs> it was so hard to put it all that together. Just like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they're just trying to ride the bandwagon, like... like oh, this thing's happening, we'll write about it, but without yeah. actually picking a... Yeah. Mm. So she was buried in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 in Le Levu Clapian Family Crypt. Because there there's multiple numbers. That's my number one. I didn't need to explain that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, the, so in New Orleans, burials were usually above ground in vaults because the, the the ground water level made it really impossible for burials so they just had to stick them all in a vault mm -hmm. did you because we went to at uni do you remember the lecture we went to yes about the way that they is it they, they used to put the bodies on a shelf well, this is the way i remembered it mm -hmm. anyway and when it decomposed, they just scrape the bones away and put a new body there. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's what they did. <laughs> oh, I just remember the whole lecture hall just being like, I beg your pardon? <laughs> and the teacher being like, yeah, that's just what they do because it's so warm. And we were like, that's mm, kind of weird, but okay. Mm. So her daughter sort of carried on for her. Um, and it's some accounts say that she was not as good as a mother but then some say she's okay. better than a mother but then some say no one ever actually noticed the difference and it was all one person through this continuous amount of time it's very weird mm -hmm. um but apparently she lacked the warmth and compassion of a mother Aww. but then she like she started as a hairdresser but then she started she ran a bar in a brothel on bourbon street Nice. But apparently she supposedly drowned in a big storm in Lake Pontchartrain in the 1890s. Oh, that's a less um, peaceful death. Yeah. It's just, it's weird that it was in a big storm. Like, she drowned you think magic caused in it? a big storm. I don't know, that just seems odd. Like, I don't, it does, it's just worded weirdly. But today, like, thousands of people visit the tomb of... Mary Laveau and they ask mm -hmm. favours and leave small gifts um, which is in the tradition of voodoo offerings so for mm -hmm. a while um, tourists visited and they'd put an X on the tomb and it would be so they'd grant it would be grant a wish to grant a wish and so they'd put the X on and then turn around three times and then knock on the tomb and then you have to yell out your wish and then if it was granted, you had to come back and circle the X and then leave an offering to Laveau and she would grant and like, you know, you've returned the wish. Brilliant. 
We should do that just, in general. you know, you normally. I think, I think yeah, that'd be good. it make uh, cemeteries a lot more fun. I agree. But she's continued to be a big figure in Louisiana and New Orleans culture. So apparently mm-hmm. gamblers shout her name when they're throwing dice. Oh, okay. <laughs> and multiple sightings of, of her have apparently been seen throughout the years. And mm-hmm. her grave has more visitors than the grave of Elvis Presley. I love mm-hmm. that. And she's not yet a saint, but there's a big movement that's trying to get her as a saint, which is fun. Nice. Yeah. And then um, in 2013, uh, her grave was vandalised by an unknown person. It was painted over with pink latex paint. And then there was some issues because... So the church look after the the graves. And so they just pressure washed the paint off. And so like Mm -hmm. a historical preservation expert was like, don't do that, you're going to damage the grave. Yeah. And they should have just used... But also then, the X's would all go. Yeah, and like, they would just like, just use paint stripper, that's what it's there for. Hmm. And so, there's been a big thing that that's how they treat the graves, like the the church do. They don't... But then they, t- they say that they don't do it, but then people see them doing it, so... So, um, yeah. her grave had to be closed off so it was no longer available for public access in 2015 like you can see it with a tour guide but that's it but that's still annoying for like people go there for a reason of kind of continuing the you know what she did while she was alive which you can't do with a tour guide i know but it's like people there's loads of stories like the the band misfits they apparently, after a concert in 1982, tried to exhume Mary Laveau after the concert and they were arrested for it. I don't think she'd... But it, I, I don't think her body would be... I know. But the weird thing is, I, the one song I know about about this band is called Dig Up Her Bones. Ooh, and I was like, I just didn't nice. think they meant it literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think it's just because there's so much vandalism on it. But a load of songs were written about her or mention her. Too many to tell you, mm-hmm. and I didn't know any of them to tell you about them anyway. But she's in loads. Okay. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's in loads of um, like books and films and TV shows as well. So some highlights. Mm-hmm. She's mentioned in Neil Gaiman's American Gods. She oh, she's okay. a character in Rick Riordan's Heroes of Olympus series. Um, she is in American Horror Story, but apparently that's the daughter though, who's played by Angela Bassett, and not the mother. Mm-hmm. But and she's in Young Sheldon, she's in Legends of Tomorrow, and also mentioned. What? What? She? She's in Young Sheldon. Don't know how she is. Okay. Um, and she's also mentioned in Marvel Comics. I yeah, I like most of those. Yeah, not not Young Sheldon, but I like I like the rest. Yeah. So yeah, she's just, I don't, it's a bit weird though that like an actual person is put into a fictional setting. Yeah, I mean they do that. I know. Do you mean like that's not like a biopic? Yeah, it's just that, because it, it's such a random mix of like, like young Sheldon is just set in the 70s or 80s. Heroes of Olympus is about like gods. And then American Horror Story makes sense. New Orleans and witches and stuff. Legends of Tomorrow, not quite mm. sure because that's all superheroes. Marvel, not don't know. <laughs> it's just a really odd mix. That's... It's just like saying, I don't know, Florence Nightingale shows up in all these. It'd just be a bit weird. As someone who's watched Legends of Tomorrow, I most of the episodes of that are where they go back in time and meet people. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I have never seen like the show. Ernest Hemingway is in an episode. Oh, fun. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, that is Mary Laveau. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone needs to come up with a better, like, this is what happened. Or just be honest and act like it could have been this date, could have been that date. We don't know. <laughs> Maybe I've just created that. I've, I feel <laughs> like you've been made bitter by your researching experience. Yeah, I didn't have a fun time researching this. <laughs> it's because it's like we need stone cold facts. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I know history is an interpretation, but I just prefer yes. a majority interpretation rather than like five different people telling me five different things. Because then that makes my life a lot harder. But mm-hmm. it's not, Marie Laveau it has nothing to do that. with that. But it's probably the church's fault because they didn't keep good records of her. I mean, I think a lot of people don't keep good records. Like, true. Should we go for a break? Mm-hmm. Good <laughs> idea, because I need to blow my nose. And then we'll be back. <laughs> yep. Welcome to STEM Fatale, your women in science history podcast. I'm Emlyn Gremlin. I'm Emma Dilemma. And we're two STEM PhD students <laughs> <laughs> trying to learn more about all the women that science history has overlooked. Every episode, we tell the story of a historical female scientist. We discuss their struggles, research accomplishments, and get into the crazy banana sexism they faced in pursuing their scientific dreams. Do you like stories about escaping from the Nazis? We got them. <laughs> or stories about NASA's lack of understanding of the female body? Yeah, we got those too. We've got it all. So take a listen. And go, go stimulate yourself. Welcome back. Uh, so, Hello. Who is your magical person? My magical person is uh, Tituba or okay. Tituba. Or, yeah, there's loads of different mm-hmm. pronunciations of her name, so I think it's just however you want to pronounce it. So, much like yours, there's a lot of conflicting mm-hmm. research about her and a lot of just stuff that's just not included, basically. So, we have no idea not when even she was born. Like a general like at all. century? No one's even... Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it was most likely in the, um, I'm going to make a guess, 1660s, maybe 1670s. Nice. Old. Well, no, not 1670s, but yeah, yeah, a long time ago. But we kind of know where she's from, mm-hmm. but kind of don't know. So it's most likely she was from the West Indies um, and most likely from nice. Barbados. But people don't know. Some people think she was from Venezuela and actually part of a tribe there. But however, the first account of her we have is from um, 1680 when she sailed oh. to the US. Nice. Mm-hmm. So um, she was brought to the US by Samuel Parrish. Should I know who that is? No. Um, oh. Who was her owner because she was a slave. Um, and some people say that I didn't know if this would have you ever read no, The I Crucible haven't. just really quickly okay that's fantastic because oh. this will all be new to you then um, and some people say that she was mm-hmm. uh, a teenager when she arrived so that kind of puts probably yeah. around yeah 1660 or 1650 she was born um, and when she uh, also on the ship that she was on when she mm-hmm. was sailed over was a guy called John Indian who would later become mm-hmm. her husband so she was brought over to be a childminder slash nanny for um, mm. Samuel uh, and his daughter and his like niece who lived with them. So um, that's what she did. And then in 1689, they moved mm-hmm. to Salem so that he could be a minister. Mm-hmm. So... They're also, because obviously they don't know where she was from, they also don't know what race she was. Some people think that she was of African descent. Some people think that she was Mm -hmm. of Native American descent. Some people say she was a mix between the two. So, again, they're not quite sure. But they just know that she didn't speak English as her first language. Yeah. So, a lot of these facts kind of contributing to the fact that people kind of saw her as an outsider. So when the girls of Salem, which included um, Abigail and Betty, who she was mm-hmm. uh, like looking after, got really, really ill, ill as in they had convulsions, they had like phantom bites all Wait. over their arms, they got you What's know had hallucinations. Bite? They thought they were oh, being bitten. So they didn't. But oh, there was nothing weird. biting them. And not nice. Yeah, I came up with the term. 
Um, yeah, not nice. Um, but the, obviously, everyone was a bit freaked out in the town. So when um, the girls of Salem then, including um, Abigail and mm-hmm. Betty, who she was looking after, started getting really, really ill, uh, and ill including uh, convulsions, um, they thought that they were being bitten by something, but nothing was biting them. <laughs> and later they got had hallucinations. Um, everybody in the town kind of started pointing of fingers. And who better to point fingers at than the person who didn't look like them and didn't speak like them. Yeah. So there's a lot of kind of... Uh, now we kind of look back and kind of go, mm, maybe the girls were ill because they were eating um, flour that might have given them, you know, an illness, um, which can explain a lot of their symptoms. Um, or maybe, you know, the girls were just bored is another solution. Um, but basically, um, the girls themselves then said that Tituba was the person oh, that had done this was to she? them. I'm guessing she wasn't. I don't think she was, no. Um, also, so they had a doctor in the town who was the one who was diagnosing these girls. The, the doctor, it's written, mm-hmm. he was the only doctor in the town. Oh my god. He couldn't write. How do you even become a doctor then? <laughs> Apparently he could read, so it was fine. I guess that's better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um... They decide to point their fingers at her, um, and then, weirdly, because I didn't quite understand this bit, but it said that John Indian, who was her husband, also said that she was guilty. I thought you weren't allowed to confess against your spouse. I think the law was a bit <laughs> different then. Yeah, I mean... The the law, so in uh, 1641, actually, there was a, a, a Puritan kind of, like, mm-hmm. crime book that was written, which said that, like, the worst crimes, and I don't know if these are in mm-hmm. order of, like, severity, but they're, they're like, the, these six, and it was, um, what was it? Adultery, witchcraft, <laughs> blasphemy, <laughs> murder, poisoning, and bestiality. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, of which a few issues with that. One is poison isn't poisoning just murder, and also blasphemy is on that, which is yeah. But I think all of these crimes are kind of punishable by Mm. death, so that was nice. So Tishba was accused of baking a witch cake. What's one of them for the girls? I I don't quite know. I should have looked it up, but it was like a thing. And they kept going on about it, and she was like, yeah. Um, and using the egg yolks, I assume from the cake, uh, to tell fortunes about the girls. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm loving the eye rolls. It's fantastic. She was also accused of voodoo, but none of those things kind of make... It, like The voodoo didn't really make sense in yeah. terms of like what was happening. So I just kind of said, I think that they just pulled words out of their asses <laughs> and were like, yeah, that too. So they thought she was a voodoo priestess, mm-hmm. but I don't think they had any, like, evidence for that other than the fact that, you know, she wasn't white. So, yeah. Um, so the Paris family's uh, family were one of the ones who said mm-hmm. that she was guilty, obviously. Um, but she'd lived with them for years. Like, she prayed with them, uh, looked after them, cooked meals for them for, like, f- what, for three mm-hmm. years at this point before the girls got ill? So, yeah, it seems a bit weird that she'd, she'd choose now. So, she wasn't the only one to be put on trial. There was also a woman mm. called Sarah Good, who was mentally ill, because they just want to pick on any minority. Okay. And uh, a woman called Sarah Osborne, <laughs> who had a lot of disagreements with the Paris family. So Did the family just choose, like, random yeah, people? Yeah, they just... <laughs> like, this one and this one. I don't like them, so this one... <laughs> <laughs> I assume so and all of this was the basis on like what children were saying so like a woman could have literally just not sold a child a lollipop in the street and she'd be like yeah she's a witch and the whole town kind of just mm. believed them 
What a time. Yeah. <laughs> Glad it's passed. Um, they stood uh, mm. trial, obviously, for their charges. So they had to stand in front of a court and said that, and said they were innocent. Obviously, the Sarahs um, both kind of stood up and said, no, we're innocent. It's you know nothing to do with us. Because you'd expect that if you're being on trial for something where you could, you know, potentially be murdered, mm-hmm. then you would claim your innocence, right? So <laughs> she st- stood up um, in front of a court and said, yeah, yeah, it was me. The devil made me do it. Um, and then she described his actions in great detail okay. to the court. She said that she had baked the witch cake um, but to help Betty but not Abigail, which is quite funny. Um, uh, she said that he was tall, he had um, a white hair, he had a long coat, and that he threatened that if she didn't hurt the children, then he would kill her. Oh. That's an odd thing yep. to say. A lot of people said that her accent... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people said her accent also helped with the, like people believing this story, which is... Mm. Okay. Um, she also then, because she realised she had them gripped, she said, you know, she spiced up a bit. She started talking about um, <laughs> his animal minions. So, you know, he had a huge dog. He had a pig. He had a black cat. He had uh, a red cat. He had a yellow bird. Um, he also had a creature which had hair all over its body and its two legs. Sounds like Bigfoot. A kangaroo. <laughs> oh, what? <well. laughs> A kangaroo or a kangaroo, yeah. Um, and also a creature with the head of a woman um, with two legs Ooh. and wings. And then to finish off, Tichibu went, that creature is the true form of Sarah Osborne. And I imagine her just pointing. Oh my god. So much drama. It's like Sarah Osborne stood there. <laughs> I know. Literally. Except from. <laughs> witches um so the court went well she can't possibly have made that up because she's a slave right logic so it must be true okay (laughs) yeah so um she basically accused both the sarahs of being of working with the devil as well. She said that they were worse than she was because they'd done it optionally. She said this because she'd seen the devil's oh, wow. diary and read <laughs> their names in it. Nice. <laughs> she said they also tied her to a pole and then pulled her into the air. And this is actually the first reference to witches Amazing. flying. <laughs> Yeah, she she started all of this. The court, oh my God. loving it. <laughs> it was from from what I can gather, it was like they like watching a horror film. Like they were so shit scared, mm. but they were eating <laughs> it up. <laughs> yep. So the court released Tichiba, um, uh, because obviously she sold out the two Sarahs that way. And they said that if she was willing to do that, she must be willing to sell out the devil's other slaves. Um, so she agreed. She said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. But when they said, okay, tell us who else was working to him, did you realise she actually didn't know the names of many of the people uh, who, was, who were, were living in a town? So she said that uh, she couldn't because the devil hadn't let her read his diary. So she couldn't be sure of the names, but she could feel the presence in the town of evil. And she knew there were other witches there. That's quite a a big power to have, really. I know. Um, So big, it led to the capture slash torture slash imprisonment of up to 150 people. She took it a bit far. Which, I know, which I don't know how big Salem is, but that seems like a significant portion of the town. So is this the the origin of the Salem Witch Trials? This is the Salem Witch Trials, yeah. And she was responsible for it. Not solely responsible, but she was the first person accused. um, And she led to a lot of the other people who were... Well, hopefully uh, it was like, they were like the Hitlers of the time. And she just... 
picked all the horrible people and we're just like, yep, yeah, you can all go. I don't think she, I don't think she actually oh. picked anybody. From what I can gather, she never actually said that um... anybody else had done it. She just said that there was a presence of evil, but then the actual like witch finders um, were the ones who mm. found the specific people and targeted them. That she felt guilty. But, yeah. This also mm-hmm. led to the execution of 18 or 19 people. They're mm. not 100% sure of the numbers. Um, but it yeah. did include four men. Yeah, which was... I thought the people who died in the same witch trials were only women. So, I mean, no. not that it's good that anybody died. But it's good that, you know, it wasn't all women. That representation. Was, you know, Realised that men could be evil too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so every time they would ask for more information from Titty Bird, she would kind of claim that she, mm-hmm. you know, she couldn't give any because the devil was hiding it from her because he'd realised. Um, so it does kind of show that she was uncomfortable with sentencing people to death directly, which was quite nice. So um, skip mm-hmm. forward like a little bit. And um, Tishbert is pretty now pissed that everybody keeps coming to her for kind of names and for, um, you know, her to, you know, can you try and read the Devil's Diary? She's like, no, I can't do it yet. And they're like, please keep trying. She goes, I can't do it yet. So she declared that she was blind. Smart. At least Braille wasn't a thing then. <laughs> yeah. I've... I know. And I, know. I can't <laughs> that no one checked. <laughs> How many fingers am I holding up? I don't know. Yeah, she sees pretty blind. Um, apparently, the devil had taken her sight because he was angry with her. Um, and so, uh, because I think, I assume, because mm. then she was no help, they oh. just threw her in prison. Yeah. Good. But she survived. Yeah, she was the only non-European to survive oh. the witch trials. Um, which was kind of shocking mm. for the time because you like they were pretty hell bent on just kind of killing anybody who wasn't, you know, who seemed a little that bit of true. an outsider, and she was literally from another country, so it was mm. shocking that she'd managed to survive. And after kind of the havoc was all over, she was released from prison, and she was allowed to leave Salem with her husband, mm. and she was never seen again. So she has kind of an un... Yeah. There was rumours at the time that apparently the devil directly had let her out. So um, Salem obviously is still there. You can still visit. You can visit the um, house in which the witch hunter used to live, which Mm. is now called the Witch House, which is aptly named. Um, And you can also visit the house of the Mm. Paris family. Um, Well, you can visit where the house stood. It's not really there anymore. Um, but there is a BuzzFeed Unsolved episode <laughs> on it. If you're, <laughs> I suppose a lot of this research has come from as well. Um, if you want to uh, watch uh, Shane and Ryan go nice. to these places and try and find <laughs> the ghosts of the people there, um, and um, like uh, Marie mm-hmm. Laveau, Laveau, um there's a lot of fictional mm. accounts of uh, Titty Burr as well. So most notably was the Crucible by Arthur Miller, in which uh, in which um, kind of a similar thing happened, but it was more about Abigail, who was one of the girls who kind of pointed fingers, who literally just did it um, for her own gain. So like fully aware that nothing was happening. Um, there was also um, Giles Corey of Salem Fires by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Um, there was Tibeter of Salem Village by Anne Petrie, um, in which the girls in the town were actually suffering from cabin mm. fever and not mm. witchcraft. Um, she's the main character of the series mm. Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, which I haven't seen, but I had a housemate at uni who had watched it and just said there was nice. a lot of sex in it. Um, she's also an American oh, okay. horror story. Didn't know that. Um, but it's a descendant oh. of her character, much like yours. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and mm. that is her. I didn't, I didn't know, mm. I didn't know much about Salem Witch Trials, but now I do. Kind of. <laughs> Good. I'm, 
I'm yeah. glad. There was a lot more to it. I think a lot more happened kind of while she was in prison. Um, obviously, a lot more people who I didn't name who had been executed. There is a place you can go to. Well, it's in Salem, but I can't remember the specific place. Um, mm-hmm. Where there's a courtyard and there's benches there. And every single bench represents somebody who was oh, executed, wow. I think, for it. And because this was also the mm-hmm. the BuzzFeed and solved. Um, and apparently just quite eerie, kind of just standing in an empty courtyard and just seeing all Ooh. these benches that with all these people's names on them. I bet. That was really interesting. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Yours was too. We we managed to find very similar, despite yeah. such a broad... I think just when you put magic in it, it basically yeah. means there's not much information on them. <laughs> it's all... Yeah. Because well, originally I tried to find, mm. like, actual magicians... Some there's not a lot of. Magicians I know I look for them women. as well. This is not so disappointing. Yeah, mm. I think I I found an article about it, and it said that like five percent of people in the, oh, what's it called? Is it called like the magician circle or something? Um, oh, are God. women, and it tried to come up with like loads of reasons why they thought this was, and <laughs> one of the reasons was because dresses don't have pockets, so they can't hide stuff in it. So I, I went off the article. Dresses should have pockets. My favourite dresses <laughs> do have pockets. They All, all dresses yeah. should have pockets. But it's the men. They don't want to give us pockets. Was that, I was watching something the other day and this woman put her hands in her pockets but it was very, very obvious that her pockets were like <laughs> tiny so she only managed to fit like two fingers into her pockets and I was like well, you just look ridiculous like either just yeah. just put your hands behind your back or something it was just a very strange and it was meant to be quite a moving part of the show and I was like I can't focus on anything <laughs> else other than the fact that her hand is like half in half not in her pockets <laughs> yeah I mean if you know any female magicians let us know yeah because, I mean, I'd love to. I love magic and watching magician things. I can't do it. I yeah. tried, but I, I can't do magic. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for this week? Uh, yes. What have I been doing? I've been reading a lot. So um, I read a book called Promising mm-hmm. Young Women by Caroline Donahue, mm-hmm. I think it was. <laughs> Pause whilst I just look that up. Caroline O'Donoghue. <laughs> Sorry, very close. Um, which is very good. I did think it was going to be like the mm-hmm. film that's coming out um, with Carrie Mulligan um... in. It's not. It took me too long to realise that it's not <laughs> like that at all. Because in the film, it's about a woman who um, kind of seeks revenge on men who kind of take advantage of women's drunken states in order to mm-hmm. treat them really really badly um and then so the book is about this woman who kind of gets out of a relationship and enters another one and the whole time i was reading the book i was like okay so when does she seek revenge on him and i could not i and then it was about <laughs> about so many chapters in i was like oh no she's just entering <laughs> a new relationship okay that's not what i thought this was about at all <laughs> But no, it is a good book that I would recommend okay. um, you read it. I'll check it out. Thank you. Mine um, do you have a podcast? Well, two podcasts this week. Because I've been mm-hmm. listening to um, Professors. It's Ooh, it's really I good. It's basically one. like these two academics. Um, but they talk about um, sort of popular media, media um, and discuss how feminist it is. So the, the episode I listened to was literally... Mm-hmm. Just about music from 1960s to 1980, and they're just like talking about is it feminist? It's got a feminist thing, but it was written by a man, so it's got mm, it's really, really good. Oh, definitely gonna check that out. The other one is The Exploress. Oh no, there's two, there's another one as well. So sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They've been doing recent, I think it was a while ago because I'm starting from the beginning. Um, they're doing loads of stuff about in the Civil War mm-hmm. where, well, there's two episodes where in the Civil War where women were dressed, like, dressed as men and were soldiers in the war. 
Yes, the American Civil War. In the Civil American War. or the English yeah. Civil War? Um, Civil it's War, really yeah. interesting. Because um, there's one who just was like, Ooh. you know, everyone else is getting a pension from the war, but I'm not, so I'm going to get a pension. And she does. It's wonderful. And then um, nice. <laughs> this other one called The Doors is just talking about uh, women from history. Similar to us, but like oh, a little okay. bit smarter. The Doors? <laughs> <laughs> do you mean they actually do like research not a day before so. they record? I mean, one of them is actually book. written like a history <laughs> yeah. book about women. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, they're way more professional than Ooh. us. <laughs> yeah. But it's also yeah. very good. Um, cool. No, I'm going to check those ones out. I did listen to... So I've been looking for some new podcasts because I kind of had been listening to a lot of the same ones and not... And I, I you know, had mm-hmm. wanted more to, to kind of listen to. And I found out that, um, you know, uh, Mel Gedroyd from yes. uh, Mel and Sue? She has a podcast Amazing. about quilting. <laughs> and it, it's fantastic. I love it. Um... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which, um, yeah, I definitely recommend that one as well. It's a very kind of, it feels like she's mm. just chatting, if you know what I mean, while she quilts, nice. and it's brilliant. Um, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Listen to some stuff. No. Listen to yeah. us, too, because we yeah. need listens. <laughs> and we shall be back. Soon. Yes. Soon. Have a nice day. Yes. Enjoy your day. Um, from... Yep. The comfort of home. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>